and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast. We are on episode 13 and today's subject is going to be, is the property market back to normal? And I have Paul with me on this episode where we're going to be talking through what the new normal is for the property market in Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle, Underline and Crewe. And as we approach the last quarter of the year, we're almost 18 months post the first part of the pandemic. And are we now back to normal or what is our new normal? So we're going to be covering different parts of the market, whether buying, selling, getting properties valued, the different types of rentals, the winners and losers over the summer, and then taking a long-term perspective as to what we see moving forward towards the end of this year and going into next. So good to have you with me again this time, Paul. My word, it sounds like it's going to be a very, very long podcast with all those subjects. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll shoot through nice and quickly. But just kicking off, you're on the ground with a number of different people, not just in Stoke and Newcastle and Crew, but all around the country, working with new and experienced property investors. So perhaps we can kick off with a summary of how you're finding the property market on the ground. Honestly, I think it's what you see in the news. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a little bit of panic because this was all new to everybody. There was changes in legislation, but you know nobody could have predicted the boom that has ensued, probably contributed by Mr. Sunak, which is with his stamp duty cut. I think that gave a psychological fillip to people. But I think, I mean, the question I would ask, who are the winners, who are the losers? And I think if you're linked to property, I think on the residential side, it's been a win all the way through, generally speaking. You know, there's been support from banks if you've had bad payers. Property prices have gone up. It's been a seller's market. You know, I had a friend very recently in Birmingham, she put her property on the market. And in the first three days, she had eight offers. Mm. Out of those eight, only one was below the asking price, only slightly. Everything else was at or above. And she actually sold it at £15,000 above asking price. Yeah. And I see that all around the country. So it's been definitely a seller's market. I think rentals were always busy. I think the issue wasn't about whether we could rent property. The issue was getting paid. I think if there's one slightly negative area, I think landlords have taken the brunt of government policy in terms of financing tenants. I think that was wrong. I don't think it was our job to do that. Notwithstanding that, we're still here to tell the tale. So I have to say, I'm probably cautiously optimistic going forward. You know, that said, they've got a new housing minister, again, Mr. Gove. He's a bit of a troubleshooter. Mm-hmm. If there's any problems in the camp, bring in, you know, Gove the dancer. Did you see that news clip with him dancing in the night, nightclub in Sheffield or somewhere? A couple no, of I actually ago. haven't. Oh, he was... Well, I want to say because he's a government minister, but <laughs> <laughs> he made a bit of a spectacle of himself. But notwithstanding that, he's a no-nonsense, get-things-done type of person. There is talk about more taxes for landlords mm. and really moving the market in favour of getting more first-time buyers in. I mean, it's a vote winner. It's got nothing to do with whether it's right or wrong. It's, it's, it's a vote winner. Yeah. So I'm cautiously optimistic for property. I think that could be quite easily scuppered because of government policy, and they'll do what they think is sellable to their voters. With regard to Stoke and Crew, Stoke more so than Crew, I think, um, have a lot of investments on the boil. I saw something the other day, I can't remember the name of it, but it's in that piece of land next to the train station. Yeah. That's going to be redeveloped into a whole accommodation, retail, office. It looks pretty amazing. Yeah, um, it's a great location as well. Great location. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
Now, we, we, we've been investing in Stoke for, you know, comfortably over 10 years. And I go all the way around the country. And I have to say, on the way back on the train or in the car, I always think, thank goodness I'm still investing in Stoke and Crew. Because mm. I do think there are still great deals to be had in this part of the country. And uh, people that we meet that are investing, we're always very welcoming for them to come into the area. You know, things don't stay the same. We've got Icicle 4 coming in in Crew at the end of the year or 1st of November. And that will change things up a little bit. But for those who invested prior to that in the Article 4 area, they'll probably see a nice little jump in terms of the value of their properties. I mean, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. We've seen some HMOs sell over the summer. And the summer's been very, very busy for us and for the market, I think. But we've seen some HMOs sell at really good prices. Yeah. And first time HMO owners come into the market, I'm thinking one in particular, and properties fall within a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, they, well that, that particular individual actually bought it as a going concern pretty much. And I think it was cash flow from day one, from day of completion. And and it continues to be that way. So it has been it has been a definitely a strong summer from a rental perspective all around. Uh, I think I think I think if there's one grey area or, or, or dark cloud, I think it's probably the student market. Mm-hmm. I think if student properties will fall all day, every day, I think that's changed a little bit. Because I know we've been approached and it's still a little bit of uncertainty. Now, my firm believe that it's going to come back. You know, I think we, you know, for the new year, 2022, but I'm pretty sure it's going to come back. Everybody's going to be vaccinated all around the world. People want to get back to the way things were before, hang out with their mates, study properly. Not, you know, everybody's on open university studying from a room. But I think that's been fairly tough for some of the landlords in that sector. But I think I, I think it will come back. I think I think it will come back. I spoke to a number of different student, predominantly student agents, predominantly student HMO agents in, in Stoke primarily, who have batches and batches of empty student houses that they're just trying to repurpose. And generally the only strategy that those agents have is repurposing to buy to let for maybe six to 12 months until the student market comes back or to pivot onto the professional market. But what a lot of the agents or the couple that I've spoke to are saying is that some of the properties aren't quite ready for the professional market because the professional market has moved on quite a lot from the HMO perspective and the quality is up there. That's not saying that student lets aren't up there as well, but there is a lot of sort of average style student stock around, which isn't easily repurposed, not for buy to let or for professional HMO. And it's kind of just hanging in the wind. And we're speaking to some agents about how we can try and help them repurpose those properties to ensure that landlord can keep a little bit of cash flow and profitability over that over the next 12 months, really, until, like you say, that 2022 student year, fingers crossed, comes back and everybody's happy again. I think the other thing that we don't often talk about on the podcast is commercial property. If you're in retail, certainly over the last 18 months, notwithstanding some of the government help that's, or the local authority help that's been there, it's been a tough 18 months. Incredible. Retail, hospitality, and now you're open, you haven't got any staff. <laughs> you know, Let's not talk for, about staff. <laughs> for whatever reason, you haven't got any staff. I mean, it's been horrible for some of these places trying to open. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what sector of the market they are they're all experiencing the same thing so that's been tough now from a property investment standpoint for people some of our listeners who are interested in purchasing commercial property you know on the one hand you've got to be careful if you're looking to rent that out to a commercial tenant on the other hand you know if 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 tenants decide that look i need to downside to a smaller unit so i'm leaving this particular one if the landlord says do you know what it's tough getting that tenant in the first place it's going to be even tougher maybe i need to sell up Maybe I need to repurpose that building. I, I, I do feel that there's probably going to be some opportunities on the commercial side. There's a whole bunch of changes in the planning side of things, you know, a lot of which local authorities have pushed back. I think maybe you know, the government's going a little bit too flexible, and I think they've reined back a few things. But I suspect over between now through 2022, I think there's going to be opportunities, development opportunities on commercial, without a doubt. 
and residential will remain relatively strong. I mean, inflation is looking like three and a half, four percent now. You know, listening to a few programs and a few podcasts, most people—I know you can't remember Amanda—the last time we had, you know, large spikes of inflation. You know, I was—I was, I was thinking about petrol queues over the last couple of days and some of the pictures of supermarkets without things on their shelves. I said, this feels like the seventies all over again, and and that was probably the last time, so the late seventies, where inflation was horrible. It was six, seven percent, and you know, there were wage spikes and everything. But generally speaking, probably just went well in the inflationary environment. Absolutely. I'm sure some economists listening, who's also a property investor, might you know send an email and question that <laughs> and find an example where that hasn't happened. But generally speaking, in an inflationary environment, people turn to hard assets, commodities, hard assets of which property is as good as it gets. So for our listeners who are owners, that's again another tick for them. And and you know our belief is that you should be accumulating more. I mean, one of the things I, I've been having conversations with people who have culture over the last few months and my my repetitive message has been and there's another subject the market is very frothy you know it's a seller's market so getting things below market value is bloody difficult mm. so what do you do do you walk away and come back two years later not really like you've got a lot of cash burning hole in your pocket or you've got investors that you need to satisfy so one of the things i've said is you know sometimes we take two shorter term perspective of things. So I've got to get this return, I've got to get it refurbished and get it generated in this ROI in, in the first year. And really just look at it over a longer term perspective. You know, 10 years, property is a long-term investment. You look at it over 10 years and paying, you know, five, 10,000 pounds over the odds now, over a 10-year period with increasing rents, increasing values, some of the investment activity that's happening in crew on the back of HS2, happening in Stoke in terms of their developments in Hanley and now in and around the train station. You know, paying 10 grand extra for a property, a terrace or a, 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 a semi, was probably a great decision looking yeah. back 10 years from now. Yeah. But also doesn't mean that we should get too excited and incredibly overpay, which we do see some investors doing, just to get into the market. It's still about making those numbers work and making savvy decisions, but also not just sitting back and waiting because, you know, we can't time the market. It's about being in the game, as we say. You've got to be in the game and in the market but making you know, good, solid decisions as we go. Well, I've got to say, I mean, if a pandemic, as horrible as it was, if that doesn't halt property prices... Yeah, nothing will. You know, <laughs> our, our interest rates going to 10%, I can't think of anything that's going to do that. Yeah. So you can sort of understand people who are a little bit overzealous and do overpay yeah. because they need to get their, either their foot on the ladder or just to buy another buy to let. You can sort of understand that. It's the competition against the first-time buyers as well, which is yeah, driving the price yeah. particularly, yeah. as well as some sort of investors that are being quite bullish. It's competing against those first-time buyers and second-steppers. Sure. Yeah, I think I think in general it's all good, but I think it's going to be tough for an investor to get to find the deal that they want. But my philosophy has always been there are deals out there. You've got to be patient. You've got to be consistent. And you need sort of eyes on the ground and be visiting Stoke. If you're from outside the area, you've got to be visiting Stoke all the time. And, and sort of connecting with some of the local agents to make sure that they know what you're looking for. Yeah, I always say one in three deals fall through. Mm. One in three sales fall through. Estate agents know that. And our, our listeners, our investors need to know that as well. So that's because the market is, 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 is rising. That sale could fall through. That person's seen a property that they want to purchase. They're desperate to purchase that property. So they'll do a deal on their property. Yeah. And because you put an offer before, you're in the right place at the right time, you're kept in touch with the agent, it just increases your chances. 
I'm getting that call to say, are oh, you interested in this property for another one? I agree. And there will be a time at which point the market will change, even if it just changes the dial just a little. And the agents there are going to be looking at who has been around and who is fresh in mind. Yeah. So if you have disappeared for a year, sitting at home waiting for property prices to fall, which clearly hasn't happened, there's a little bit of a change in the market and then you're through the agent's door. Agents can sometimes have quite a short memory. So you know who has been there recently may just get that phone call before you if you've been sitting back and waiting. But Paul, if we're talking about house prices going up, rentals are strong, property has survived and almost thrived, if we're allowed to say that through the pandemic, surely that means that any valuer walking into any of our properties or any of our listeners' properties should be writing checks left, left, right and centre. Maybe our house prices should be exactly where we want them to be. Is that what we're experiencing, do you think? I think we've seen some of that. I also think that valuers have been burnt in the past and they're not stupid. And they'll take a realistic view because remember, they're valuing on behalf of the lender. If it's a mortgage property, so they'll say, I know a couple of properties have sold for X, but is this sustainable? Maybe I put a cap on it just to ensure that mm. the security is realistic for the lender. I don't think value is going to ignore the fact that the market's going up, you know, and, and for good reason. It's not going up because it's speculative. I think people want more space. The pandemic has driven them to have more rooms, more space, a bigger garden, more floors, more work area, a different type of setup at home where they can also work from home. That's a narrative in the press, and I think that's a narrative on the ground as well. And I think valuers recognise that. There are always going to be properties that, you know, maybe because it's desirable because it's near a school or near a hospital or something like that, which, you know, some vendor's going to chance around and go for an over-the-top price, and someone's going to come along and buy it. And I think those sort of properties, the valuer's going to nip that back and say, no, this is, this is too aggressive in terms of the pricing. I'm only going to value it at X. And, and I've heard a couple of times that has happened not necessarily in Stoke and Crew, but you know, one can assume that at some point, if it continues to be this frothy, then valuation will get peered back a little bit because it's getting a little bit out of control. You know, things are cyclical in property, and there's periods where it goes up very, very quickly, and there's times where it doesn't go up at all, yeah. where it's just a little bit quiet. Yeah. So when you average it out, it's still just a, a nice steady incline, yeah. which is which is exactly what we want. And this is why we're in the property business, because since time immemorial, property prices have always risen long term in the direction we want to rise. Yeah. I was just having a look over some of the um, valuations or revaluations that we've been going through since March because I think we had a bit of a pause with refinancing properties prior to that. So we've just been getting through the refinances. And on the last evaluation that we were at, the valuer sort of made a passing comment and said, you know, property prices are increasing. And I'm not sure if you did this on purpose, Paul, or <laughs> if it was just coincidental. You sort of said, sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear that just to reconfirm. So he said, yes, property prices are increasing. Oh, right. Yes, yes, we agree with you. Does that mean, you know, subconsciously we're thinking, does that mean an extra five or 10,000 on the valuation? Because sometimes the values aren't always correlating what is happening in the marketplace to what's happening on their report at the end of that end of that refinance. But needless to say, that valuation came back exactly where we wanted it to be. So that was all good. I think that's an important point. I think we take our valuations for refinance very, very importantly. And some people just sort of leave value to get on with it, but we're there before they are. We're checking the house is as it should be. We're ensuring that the tenants are aware. So it goes very, very smoothly. And, and it's always worked well for us. And I think where we do valuations on behalf of some of our, our landlords that can't get to the area, either because they're just too far away or overseas or something, and we stress to them, this is important. We always do a report. The report comprises crucial information that a valuer will find useful. You know, I have a particular view as when that report should be handed over. But it should always be a report. We should always meet them there. and you know, be cordial and friendly and respectful of, of the value's time. Every now and again, you're going to get a value who's a bit of a stick in the mud. 
all throws a ladder down the stairs at you like one did on one of our evaluations <laughs> that's definitely was a health and safety concern <laughs> and the loft ladder came shooting down the steepest terrace stairs i think we have um nearly took paul's eye out but there we go we do take them seriously everything through to sort of deep cleaning the property prior to the valuation and some people think oh it's just an hmo i mean whatever they see it's not going to affect the value but everywhere is deep clean the tenants are briefed prior to arrival i mean this last one that we had I spoke with the tenants myself and said, look, guys, tidy your rooms. <laughs> and I felt like their mother a little bit. But we want that value to go in and see. We want them to see the design. We want them to see the furnishing. We want them to see the quality of the property, which can be masked sometimes if you do have somebody with an incredibly messy or dirty room. So we ensure the property is looking good. The gardens are manicured and tidy before they get there. And like Paul said, we're there prior to them waiting on the doorstep and then just leading them through what we've done to the property, the enhancements that we've made. And of course, we're talking about other valuations in the area, what properties have sold for. But I think also quite crucially, which we discuss with them in person and include within the pack, is other HMO valuations that we've had in our portfolio and sometimes that others have had in their portfolio. Because it's often that for a HMO, you might not have a sale comparable of X, but you might have had a HMO valuation just around the corner of the amount that you're looking for. So we allude to those, we include those. And I think the valuer sometimes chuckle or maybe sometimes get a bit of a stern face because they're looking through it, who the valuer was and what company and why they didn't get the valuation. But we take it deadly seriously. And fingers crossed, touch wood so far, I think probably bar one in 2021, we've got what we've asked for. And I think the other one was about £10,000 less or so. By the way. Well, no, that was the guy that threw the ladder at you down the stairs and then knocked off 10,000 off the price. I mean, he was a strange one, but you you do get strange ones from time to time. But, you know, preparing and planning, we, we do seem to get the result that we want. Yeah, certainly. Actually, I just wonder whether it'd be useful for our listeners to, to maybe have a steer at the areas that we're looking at in terms of where we are looking for potential deals, where we think is going to exhibit good growth yeah. over and above the market average where the numbers work better. I mean, in terms of, of crew, where would you say for crew, especially now that you have this Article 4, which covers West Street, a lot of Natwich Road, the roads of Natwich Road, Hungerford Road. So it's, fairly, it's a fairly chunky area. So by going in and buying a house and immediately converting is no longer a slam dunk. You know, you have to go through planning if you want that. It makes the houses and the HMOs more valuable in those areas, we hope. So where would you be looking? Where, where do you think is potentially? Well, I think when we first came to Crew, you know, a lot of the agents and people in the area would talk about Bentley Motors and Leighton Hospital being the big employers in the area, which is obviously on the west side of Crew and towards the back end of West Street. And whilst we knew that was solid demand, I think many, many years ago, we sort of avoided the West Street area a little bit. And maybe mainly that was because the end valuations wasn't quite there. So the numbers didn't stack up. But in the last few years, and no doubt linked to pandemic as well, the demand for medical staff around the hospital is insane. If I had another 10 houses close to the hospital, no doubt we would fill them almost immediately uh, with medical staff. And we think, just to interrupt, if you think about that, it actually makes sense. Of course. We've just, just gone through a pandemic. The NHS is under pressure. The hospitals are under pressure. They're probably rotating staff as often as they can just because of the stress they, they, yeah. they've gone under. So it, it actually makes sense because it's not only Leighton, but it's also Royal Stoke in, in, in Stoke on Trent. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing the same requests coming through. We need to be close to house, we need to be close to house, more so than we've ever had. Yeah. And I think crew, the crew hospital investment area is probably more affordable, or when I say affordable, probably more um, desirable in terms of ROI because the properties there are sort of the, the standard price to crew, whereby in Stoke, they hike up 
quite a lot in and around that Royal Stoke area. One, because it's just a very nice residential area anyway with some beautiful homes. And also the the hospital has just added that increased price to make it so desirable for investors. But the added benefit also for crew is that the core hospital area for rentals is also outside Article 4. So whilst we might be giving uh, our deepest secrets away right now, that's where I would be looking and that's where I would recommend for people to be looking as well. So close to, as close as possible, Leighton Hospital. Yeah. Which is, just happens to be close to Bentley Motors as well. Yeah, so you can have a true problem strategy there, which is what yeah. we've run for a little yeah. while now. But Crewe is a small place, it's a small town, and it doesn't have a huge amount of stock. So you don't have, you know, a great deal amount of properties that come on the market in those areas. And of course, people are starting to realise, you know, how desirable that is, especially that it's outside Article 4. So perhaps they might take a little bit of a, a rise there and you have to pay a premium. What about, I mean, the retail park near the centre of Crewe has been amazingly successful yes and they've expanded that recently there are a bunch of roads off there just near the bridge sort of earth street like that hall or shore street hungerford road runs off that but it stops at the roundabout almost isn't it yeah 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 so that's quite interesting so would we if something came up there would we be keen to buy more in that area to think at the right price i'd say so yes because article four literally starts the left of the roundabout and the right of the roundabout is the retail park we definitely don't get as many inquiries through the management company for i need to be close to the retail park however gourmet four have just opened on the retail park and we get um lots of both short stay and long stay bookings for chefs and restaurant type staff for gourmet four and it is a busy retail park. So I would absolutely still look to invest in that area. It's outside Article 4. It's got strong employment. I would go for Leighton over the retail park. But absolutely, and we've got a whole bunch of properties in and around that area, which I don't think many people were looking there many years ago because it's too far away from the train station. It was perceived, although when I was looking the other day, it's actually only a 12-minute walk from the retail park to the train station, which isn't far at all. But when initially HMOs were all clustered around the train station and clustered around Nantwich Road, the retail park was largely ignored. And we picked up some cracking deals, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, almost in that little patch that still work now. So I've got a question. So still staying with the crew, staying around the retail park. What about, we've never bought on this road, Badger Avenue. Is that mm. in Article 4 or is that just outside Article 4? You've got me there. So outside Article 4 and Badger Avenue going down to sort of Timberall, Timberall Avenue and almost like the sort of the back end of the west side of crew if you had to say right now would you buy would you not i would probably not it's more strong residential area it's not really close to the station you're moving further away not really hmo area a bit more residential however these were sort of some areas some of the areas that we were buying in a few years ago and they were good then and came good as well so we you bought, put me on the spot we bought, we bought an underwood lane and we know the people that person underwood lane underwood lane has worked work for us and that's because it's a walk away from mentally it's it's relatively relatively close to the hospital mm. not the closest road to the hospital but, but, but close enough to say yeah i'll take that and badger avenue is just adjacent to underwood okay let's just think though we bought a two-bedroom house converted it into a five-bedroom now four-bedroom hmo on underwood lane for fifty-five thousand pounds so, yes, it was a deal at £55,000, but would I now buy at £125,000? Yes, on Underwood Lane, because we have the comparables, but I'm still not too sure on Badger. I'm still okay. not too sure on Badger. Still around the retail park, any other areas? What about, okay, there's a bunch of commercial properties popping up on Netwich Road, which is obviously the main road through crew to the train station. Yes. Yes, it won't be that attractive for HMOs, but... You know, we know some people who have converted flats fairly recently. Yeah. And they've got those rented out to a charity, I believe. For the time fairly, being, yeah. yeah fairly, fairly, fairly quickly. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of buildings on there. I don't know how well they're priced. And they seem to be 
you know, three, four, five buildings on there. If you drive down that, which are good sized buildings mm. that you can certainly convert to a few flats. That has nothing to do with Article 4. That's just, you know, covering HMOs and probably house conversions. Would that, would that be something that investors or our listeners might be interested in checking out, do you think? I think so, yes. And talking for us, we've always looked on Nantwich Road, but the prices have always been a little too high for the ROI that we can generate. We're, believe it or not, not a massive fan of commercial to flat conversions versus commercial to HMO conversions purely because of the ROI. So Nantwich Road does lend itself quite nicely to either commercial at the bottom with flats on top or all flats, subject to what sort of ROI that you want to generate. But location-wise, big tick, close to the station, close to restaurants and eateries. Parking's an issue, but parking's an issue everywhere in crew. You'll be able to park in some of the side roads, although it is very, very tight. And that's obviously subject to your tenants requiring parking. Perhaps they don't. It's city centre location, so I don't think planning is too much of an issue with regards to that. But yeah, we, we would always look there. But it's notoriously just been a little bit more pricey than some of the surrounding roads. Sure. Yeah. And in Stoke, we recently, in the last year or so, couple of years, have been drawn to Hanley. I am a fan of Hanley. There's a whole lot of development there. I had an interesting experience at the Hilton there the other day. Well, we leave for another podcast. <laughs> but obviously, they've got the Garden Hilton now. They've got a bunch of offices. They've got some new offices, which they're just about to break ground on. So they've got a whole roadmap, a whole plan there. You said there was some big, sports arena or yeah like an entertainment arena for concerts and so on is penned for and sounds quite seriously in terms of actual delivery in Hanley Town Centre which will have a ripple effect across all of the local hospitality restaurants short stay accommodation etc I mean the biggest challenge and you know having driven around Hanley a lot is flipping parking it's so it's so pedestrianized which is obviously healthier you know makes sense of, you know in terms of uh, people loving city but we still drive cars at the moment and, you know, there's no way to park. Are they, are they building more car parks? I wonder. They must, they must be. Possibly. And our thing that we've been talking about recently is with the move to electric cars, you know, where do we, where are all the charging, charging points uh, going to go for all of the, uh, the flats and all the sort of new accommodation that's in around these pedestrianised areas? Naturally, there'll be some solutions for those. Yeah, I'm sure there will. I'm sure there will. There'll be every, every lamppost, they'll convert it to some sort of charging, point. charging station or something. So Hanley's one. We've mentioned Hearts Hill. Around the hospital, yeah. I'll tell you where I, what I was thinking before. We've, we've got a little property in Nutter. Four bedrooms. Remember the conversion? Your favourite guy, Shaky Rob. <laughs> we, I was supposed to mention his name on there. But that place has never been empty. Yeah. You know, it's never been empty. And if, if, if a room is empty, it gets filled straight away. Yeah. And that's in Nutter. Yeah, it's not like ST5. Nobody talks a lot about Nutter. You hear more about Silverdale. Yeah. yeah. For the kill students. For some of the kills. Obviously, you know, off, on the main Newcastle drag, in and around the hospital and the university, that's obviously straightforward. But I think Nutton is still relatively affordable. Yes, it is. And it's a little bit more residential and it's not in that notorious sort of student area of Silverdale. So that could be a little spot to look at. But then again, that's with a focus on Kill University, which at the moment isn't really the focus because of the, how quiet the, the students are. But it could be one for the future, you know, in a year or so. You know, I'd be, I'd be directing people to take a look at it. I think we should take a look at it ourselves. I think, I think Nutton had a bit of a rep. It had a little bit of form. But like most things, you know, the bad elements move on. Mm. You know, families settle and mature. And, so that could be an interesting area. That could be an interesting area. Is there anything happening in the centre of Stoke? I'm sorry, in the centre of Newcastle? I mean, are they doing developments? I mean, they're not down at the bus station. I, I thought they had huge plans for sort of redevelopment. There is, there, there is a lot going on. There's a big sort of over 55s type development on the A34, which is currently taking place. There are the student 
investments where there is still heavy student investment into Newcastle with the purpose-built student developments. And then we also have that uh, notorious building stuck right into the centre of Newcastle where the company built, they came out the ground and built some of it. And then let's just say they closed uh, for a number of different reasons. And that's just been sitting there as an empty, an empty shell for a while, unfortunately. But there is a lot of action in Newcastle. And there was always, what's sort of happening in Hanley now, I think what's happening in Newcastle, perhaps maybe even about three or four years ago, four to five years ago. But Hanley's definitely taken the, the lead, I think. I was actually staying in the Hilton Hilton Garden in about a month or so back and I was looking out of the window and looking at the different sites some which are broken ground some which were still just cordoned off for development looking at where that arena might take place looking at the cranes and thinking this is not the Stoke-on-Trent that I came to see you know many years ago it really is all action and I am as I said I am I am a fan of the area and there's still some great deals to be had in and around that area as well especially with the empty commercial buildings. I just wonder it's interesting that we talk more glowingly about Stoke than we do about Newcastle. And historically, Newcastle was always head and shoulders ahead of Stoke in terms of its appeal, sort of returns and the deals that were there. Do you think Newcastle has probably just gone a little bit too pro-student and that probably hasn't worked over the last few years, maybe the last three or four years, the returns have probably suffered a little bit. And obviously the pandemic has maybe... Not them also. Yeah, it's had a huge focus on students. Almost everything that's gone up has been a purpose-built student development. And um, there was a couple of nice developments. I think one was called Number One London Road, just on the main Newcastle town centre, and a few other purpose-built apartment developments. But they haven't been particularly well looked after, and now are looking a little bit shabby and not quite glossy as they were a few years ago. So I'm not quite sure how they're working out in terms of occupancy levels and rentals. But it has been more student-focused, which of course is great during that whole student boom. But has taken a hit, with the exception of. Maybe Nutton, just because for price, you're saying there's not a great deal going on in terms of desirability that investors should rush in. Well, not where I think that you're going to get a great purchase price because everything is slightly elevated because of the history of the area, because it's perceived to be nicer in inverted commas than Stoke, whatever that's supposed to mean. But property prices are definitely more, a little bit more expensive. But even the commercial property, if you're going down, if you're travelling from Stoke to Newcastle and you're travelling through Bass, Bassford on the main road there, they've got some gorgeous commercial buildings, but they still might want over £200,000 for a 1,000 square feet, where for a 1,000 square feet, we don't want to pay more than maybe well, anything from some of our fantastic deals up to maybe 80, 90, 100,000 pounds. So it, you just struggle to make the numbers work because the buildings are, you know, gorgeous, but it just doesn't stack up from an ROI perspective. Yeah. Anywhere else that where we should be looking at now we can send listeners to to check out? I mean, there are, there are certain parts of Stoke that we have not ventured. Yeah. And, you know, that's where it goes sometimes. I mean, we had a, when we used to source years and years ago, the whole Pitts Hill area. Yeah. And that wasn't bad. That was better than I thought it was. And it's actually been developed quite a lot recently, a lot of new builds. Right. And that's that has actually rose, as we probably thought. I would love for somebody to come back and say, we found a building in Burslem, we found a building in Tunstall, we got a great deal, we turned it into you know a few flats, got a great valuation, or they did some short stay accommodation or HMOs in those areas, because there is some fantastic buildings. There is a lot of empty commercial, but the empty commercial has been that way for 10 years and isn't changing. The demand is there, but it's a different type of demand. And we haven't pulled the trigger on it. Tunstall, lots of commercial up for sale. Yeah, I mean, basically Tunstall High Street is for sale. The whole of the street is for sale and it's selling. So people are buying and they're developing largely into flats, largely into the 
social housing and LHA market in and around those areas. This is in Tunstall, and Bursley, not just Tunstall. Brought, well, that specific example is Tunstall. Bursley is slightly different because it has, in my opinion, it has the park, Bursley Park, and it has a slightly different dynamic to Tunstall. You have obviously Tunstall High Street where you've got a lot of, almost all the shops are sort of closing down, but there is some regeneration and a lot of money going into the restoration of Tunstall Town Hall, and which is a beautiful building. And that whole high street is in, or part of the high street is in a conservation area. So it has some fantastic buildings, but the development generally is to flats and it's generally into the social housing market, which unless you have a fantastic lease with a charity who's paying over the odds for you to lease the building to them, the numbers aren't as attractive as to what we find in other parts of the city of Stoke-on-Trent. Well, I think the biggest challenge is that a flat in Tunstall or Bursa can only fetch a certain amount or can only be valued at a certain amount because two bedroom houses are cheap and cheerful that yeah, we, we, um, we, we've sourced two bedroom houses in and around Tunstall for forty or fifty thousand pounds, and even now they might not be worth more than say eighty. Yeah. So, what does that make a two bed flat worth? Thirty, forty grand. It's it's. Which doesn't make it viable to to convert. Yeah. Unless you've got the, the building dirt cheap. Okay, so so you know, at the back of my mind, I think five years from now, we'll look back, and we'll think, why didn't we buy anything in Burnsley or Tunstall? Yeah. I just I just wonder whether they're like sleeping giants. And, you know, as I said, right at the beginning of the podcast, long-term view. Now, maybe the people that took a long-term view before ended up with arrows in their back. But I, I just think that SD6 area, I think, you know, it might be ripe. But I think you're always going to have your roads to avoid. And I won't name specifically on the podcast, in case there's anybody that has properties on those roads. But I think there's a, there's a little patch of properties like there is in every area that you avoid. But certainly for Burzum around the park and parts of Tunstall, well, I think you're right. We will look back. Perhaps tomorrow I'll um, book in some viewings for what happens to High Street. <laughs> <laughs> what about, this is the last area, Fenton. Fenton's always been a popular rental area. But I just think more recently, it's been active okay. on the commercial side. You've got a whole chunk of houses. I've done coaching around there and gone looking for properties with, with new investors. And, you know, retail buildings have been sold. Whenever you talk about Fenton, all I think about is um, coal mining. <laughs> there are so many coal mine entry shafts around Fenton. It's incredible. You have to really be careful where you're buying. But we were driving through there the other day, and I'm not sure if it's Barrett or if it's another developer, but there is a, a lot of space that has been acquired by a house builder. And it looks like they're just doing a row on the on the main high street going through Fenton, but actually they've acquired a lot of land and they're doing a big development, which is always a sign, you know, that the big money or the medium to, to big money is is coming into a sleepy place like Fenton. Perhaps that is the start of a, a slow rise. I don't, I don't think people would um, appreciate that description of Fenton. They might have something to say about that. Okay. Sleepy Fenton. <laughs> you know, you, From you, a rental perspective, it, it's it's an area between sort of Stoke and perhaps going on to Longton um, that you can quite easily pass through. Stoke has been playing catch-up, but I think it's caught up. And I think it's got a bit of a story to tell. You know, you'll never get me to say anything more than cautiously optimistic. But I think the future is particularly bright and there's a number of projects. The other thing I was, I don't know whether I've said this on the podcast or I say to investors and, and, and colleagues, that compared to other parts of the country, Stoke is extremely competitive. You know, whether it's residential, whether it's commercial, it's extremely competitive. And that has to be a draw for outside companies coming in, investors coming in, looking to convert and do up. And throw in some sort of iconic projects, you know, better than ones that were there before, like the entertainment arena, like what they're doing next to the train station. And and you've got you've got a game going. Yeah. You know, so so that's quite interesting. I think I think with crew, it's smaller. We know that they're doing stuff in the city centre. We're waiting for for them to actually start and finish. So that's a little bit of an unknown quantity in terms of the result of that. 
they've spent lots of money extending roads and creating new pathways into Peru, which is which is great. But their big thing is going to be interest too. And you know, I can hear sort of placing all their bets on that as well, yeah, they, yeah. as a as a local authority. Yeah, I can hear some more listeners saying investors will happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're slightly biased we have a more biased reason why we hope it does but i think the crew as a as a destination have obviously pinned their hopes on that but also very much buy into the the, the big local employers like the hospital and like bentley and the industrial estates and the business parks to feed the town where i think stoke perhaps are more trying to create it themselves i think crew perhaps maybe as a, a more of a market town are depending more on their their local businesses to grow the town but it's like Stoke have the bit between their teeth at the moment yeah. and they're saying okay let's put the money in to build the Hilton let's build all these offices we don't even know who's going to fill them I had an interesting conversation with a a lady who was selling her commercial portfolio and was of, of course selling me on all the reasons why Stoke and Trim was a fantastic investment and said that everyone around the country is going to be relocate, relocating to these offices in Hanley which I thought was quite um, a bold statement but you know companies are and Stoke have said you know let's put it on the shelf let's promote us as a city as a giga city going forward and let's hope that we will build it and they will come well i i, I you know the head of the council is is pretty switched on very very positive when she talks good talk you know we're obviously invested in, in the city and so are many of our listeners yeah so one can only support her in every way possible in terms of desire to improve so now we've been talking for probably the longest we've talked amazing <laughs> that's because I mean, like, we're passionate about these two little places in the uk unbelievable so let's get this edited, let's get this out, and let's get some of our listeners to contact us as they do. Let's talk to them in terms of what they're doing. And if anybody has any ideas of what they want us to discuss on the podcast, they they can't they can contact us. Now. Yeah, just get in touch either through Facebook, Instagram, or directly with us through the website. Let us know what you want us to cover. Or if you're doing some you know, good stuff yourself in Stoke and you want to come on and talk about that, some developments that you're doing or something interesting that you think would provide value to our listeners, then we are very open, open to that as well. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.